Many people are concerned about taxes in retirement, and in many ways, rightfully so. Because of this, Roth conversions are a great tool to help a lot of people reduce their lifetime tax liability, but there are certain situations when Roth conversions will actually do you more harm than good. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you four different scenarios where it wouldn't make sense to do a Roth conversion. This is another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole, and I'm here to teach you how to get the most out of life with your money. And now, on to the episode. There's this sense that some people have where it's, I need to start doing Roth conversions or else, or at least when I retire, I need to start doing Roth conversions or else. And sometimes that's the case, but it's oftentimes not the case. And today, I specifically want to talk about when it's not the case. So before we do that, before we walk through why wouldn't it make sense to do a Roth conversions in some instances, we first need to do just a basic recap of why would it make sense to do a Roth conversion. And we'll do that in just one second, but real quick before I do, so wanted to highlight the review of the week. This comes from username Bama9000, five-star review with the title Maximize Your Time. And the review says, I've listened to almost every retirement podcast out there. I have now narrowed that down to three retirement podcasts, and James's is by far the best. Great information, and James has the heart of a teacher. James, thanks for all the great info. My transition into retirement was seamless as I was well-prepared thanks to your podcast. Well, Bama 9000, that makes me very happy to hear. I'm glad to hear that this isn't just helpful information, but people are applying it. So thank you for supporting the show by leaving a review. It helps me. It helps more people find the show. And at the end of the day, everyone wins. So if you've not left a review, please go ahead and do so. It would mean a lot. We'll help more people find the show. And for those of you that have, thank you very much for taking the time to do so. So now back to the episode. And again, to start, let's talk about why would you do a Roth conversion, at least a real brief recap. And simply put, the reason you do a Roth conversion is you're in a lower tax bracket today than you will be in the future. For example, maybe today I'm in the 10% tax bracket and in five years I know I'll be in the 22% tax bracket. Well, I would rather take funds out of my IRA today via a conversion to my Roth and pay taxes at 10% and then let those funds grow tax-free. To me, that's a whole lot more attractive than paying 0% today by keeping my funds in my traditional IRA but then paying 22% in the future when I have to pull them out at that time instead. So in other words, it's just a way of strategically shifting your tax bill to when it makes most sense for you. So that's the context of why you would do it. Now let's talk about why you wouldn't do it. And the first reason, number one, simply put, you'll be in a lower tax bracket in the future. Now you might be saying, James, that sounds super obvious. That's just the inverse of what you just told us. Well, yes, but let's look at it in context. Let's look at a practical example because oftentimes that's what's most helpful. So let's assume that you retire, and let's assume that you're planning on spending less on travel in the future. So maybe from age 65 to 75, you're going to spend a bunch of money, you're going to travel, you're going to do a whole bunch of stuff, and then you're going to slow down a bit. Well, what that tells me as a planner is you probably don't need as much income at 75 and beyond than you would from 65 to 75. So again, 65 to 70, you're traveling, you're taking trips, all that costs money, which means you're pulling more money out of your portfolio. So if that's the case for you, I might want to think twice before I layer a conversion on top of all the additional spending I'm doing from age 65 to 75. One big factor here will be what kind of income are you pulling from? If you're pulling income from cash to fund travel, that's an entirely different story than if you're pulling money from, say, IRAs to travel. So part of this does have to do, a lot of this does have to do with where are you pulling this income from. But in general, if your income, if your taxable income is a whole lot higher the first several years of retirement, which it tends to be for a lot of people, 
you maybe don't want to layer Roth conversion on top of that because you're going to be potentially in a lower tax bracket once some of that travel or some of those early expenses go away. Another example of this is maybe you go into retirement with a mortgage. So that mortgage, what does that do? Well, it makes your living expenses higher. If your living expenses are higher, what does that mean? Well, it means you need to take more money from your portfolio. If that portfolio income that you're taking from is from your IRA or some other pre-tax asset, that's driving your income up to start retirement, but your income might be lower at a future date. So as you look at that again, the goal of a Roth conversion is to shift income taxes to when it's most convenient for you to pay, to when you're in your lowest tax bracket. So if because of a mortgage or because of travel or because of some other expense you're going to have early on in retirement that you wouldn't have later in retirement is pushing you into a higher tax bracket, that's probably time to pause and say, should I really be doing conversions in this case if it's going to cause me to pay taxes at a higher rate today than I would have had I simply not done the conversion and pulled that money out in the future? This is why it's so important to have some type of a plan for what is it going to cost you to retire? Because some of those expenses, you start looking at them, you can say, okay, these are expenses I'll have forever. And some of those expenses may change and possibly go away fully at some point in retirement. This could be mortgage payments, at least the principal and interest portion. This could be travel expenses. This could be maybe you retire and you're still supporting your parents or you're still supporting your children, but that's not going to be the case forever. So as you start to look at your expenses today, you can extrapolate how will these change over time and in doing so, once you start to understand what accounts you have will be funding which of these expenses, you can see if it makes sense to do a conversion or not. But the higher your taxable income is in early years of retirement, at least when compared to future years, the less and less likely you are to want to do a conversion on top of all that. So that's reason number one. Reason number two is your required minimum distribution isn't projected to be an issue. So what does issue mean? What is an RMD being an issue? Well, that's very subjective. A better way of saying it is you don't expect to be forced to take a substantial amount more from your IRA than you were already planning to take. So here's the difference between this point and the previous point I made in number one. In point number one, we were looking purely at your discretionary expenses. So maybe your travel drops off, maybe a mortgage is paid off, maybe there's less family support. Whatever the case may be, when you expect your expenses to be lower in the future, that probably means your income will need to be lower to support that because in retirement, you're creating your own income. Well, number two, when we're talking about your RMD being an issue, this has nothing to do with your discretionary income. This has everything to do with your forced income. You might look at number one and say, hey, James, you're exactly right. I'm going to do tons of travel the first few years of retirement. I have a mortgage. Maybe I'm still supporting some children through college or whatever it might be. But after age 72 or 73, my needs are going to go way down. So I'm going to be in a much lower tax bracket, right? Well, potentially, but not if you have a substantial balance in your IRA. Again, substantial, what does that mean? It's fairly subjective, but from a quantifiable standpoint, if you look at that required minimum distribution and you project out what it's going to be based upon assumed growth of your IRA, any new contributions to pre-tax accounts, based upon your age and the IRS life expectancy tables, you can actually model out what your required distributions are projected to be. Now, if those required distributions are going to be substantially more than you need to take, to me, that's the quote-unquote issue that we're talking about because you're taking an amount out that you don't necessarily need per se, and it's likely pushing you into a higher tax bracket. 
Let's look at another example to see what this looks like in reality. Let's assume there's two couples. Uh, they both have net worth of $2 million or a portfolio of $2 million. And both of these couples want to live on $80,000 per year. Well, let's say couple number one has $60,000 per year in combined social security, and they only need $20,000 in their investments. Well, combined, that gives them $80,000. If that's the only income source, they're probably in the 10%, maybe 12% marginal tax bracket. So they have $2 million. They live on $60,000 from Social Security. The remaining $20,000 comes from investments. They're in a pretty low tax bracket. Like I said, 10 to 12% most likely. But once they hit RMD age, if the entirety of that $2 million is inside of a traditional IRA, the required distribution will likely be around $80,000 per year. So instead of just being able to take $20,000 out per year from their IRA because that's all they need, they're going to be required to take $80,000 out. So now as we look at their income sources, there's $60,000 of Social Security and then an additional $80,000 per year from their IRA as a required minimum distribution. So that pushes them from what would have been the 10 or 12% tax bracket up into the 22% tax bracket. So for this particular couple, that's probably a good case or a good example of when you should have considered a Roth conversion earlier. So a lot of people listen to this and they say, okay, well, if $2 million is how big my portfolio is, that means I should be doing Roth conversions. Well, not necessarily, because let's now look at the other couple that also has a $2 million portfolio, except for this couple, let's assume that 200000 of the $2 million is in a traditional IRA and the remainder is in a brokerage account or Roth IRAs. So 1.8 in brokerage and Roth and $200,000 in traditional IRAs. Now for this couple, if they also want to live on 80,000 per year total and 60,000 per year that is coming from social security, they also only need $20,000 per year from their IRA. The difference is for this couple, once they hit RMD age, their initial required distribution will be around $8,000 per year, not 80,000. So to them, that $8,000 RMD, that's really not a big deal. They're going to need to take $20,000 anyways. So $8,000 of that would come from their IRAs in the form of a required distribution. And then the remaining $12,000, they would work through to see what made most sense to take that from the IRA again, or go to the Roth or brokerage accounts to fund the rest. So as you're looking at this, this is why it's not just a dollar amount of your portfolio, that matters, but it's what portion of your portfolio is in pre-tax accounts. And is that portion when required distributions begins projected to make you take more than you need to take and push you into a higher tax bracket. So if that's the case, then conversions make sense. But reason number two of why you wouldn't do Roth conversions is if your required minimum distribution is not projected to be an issue. And quick reminder as we go through this, none of this is ever intended to be advice. This is intended to give you some specific examples that you can maybe apply to your situation for some context purposes, but make sure that you're working through this with your tax advisor. Make sure you're working through this with your financial advisor to make sure you're coming up with the right solution for you. So reason number one where it might not make sense to do a Roth conversion is you'll be in a lower tax bracket in the future. Reason number two is your required minimum distribution is not projected to be an issue Reason number three is you do a lot of charitable giving. Well, why on earth does that matter? Well, a great planning tool exists called Qualified Charitable Distributions. A QCD, so just the abbreviation for Qualified Charitable Distribution, allows you to give funds right from your IRA at the age of 70 and a half directly to a charity of your choice. 
Now, the beautiful thing about this is if you wanted to give money to a charity, but you pulled money out of your IRA, and then you gifted it to the charity, you pay taxes as you pull that money out, and then you might get a deduction for giving it to the charity, but only to the extent that you itemize your deductions. So for a lot of people, they're not actually getting the deduction for the charitable giving they do in retirement because they tend to use their standard deduction more than itemized deductions, especially for those people who have paid off their mortgage. So the QCD is a great tool because it says bypass you in this whole process. You being the intermediary or the middleman between your IRA and the charity you want to give to. So if I was 70 and a half and I wanted to give $10,000 to my church or to my charity or to whatever it is, well, I wouldn't pull funds directly and then give them to church or charity. I would issue the $10,000 directly from the IRA to the charity. So all the gifting that I do directly from my IRA to a qualified charity via a qualified charitable distribution, it does two things. Number one, I completely avoid income taxes on those dollars. And number two, that counts towards my required minimum distribution. So let's use an example to see how this could benefit you. Let's say that you want to do a very generous amount of giving. Maybe you want to give $20,000 per year to a charity that you really care about, and your RMDs are projected to start next year. Let's assume that you run the projection and you have to take $50,000 per year from your RMD, which you look at that and you're concerned because you really only need $30,000 from your IRA to be okay, to meet all of your living expenses and then some. So the extra $20,000 per year, you're going to be required to take it, but you really don't need it, but it's pushing you into a higher tax bracket. Well, here's where the QCD comes into play. If you, and obviously I'm cherry picking numbers here to make this example really nice and round, but if instead of taking that $50,000 per year and then gifting to charity from your normal cash flow, what if you gifted the $20,000 right off the top directly to the charity? Well, that $20,000 counts against your $50,000 requirement, so now you only have to take out $30,000 per year, which is right the amount that you wanted to take in the first place. So if charitable giving is any part of what you intend to do, then make sure that you're looking at the impact that QCDs can have in terms of counting towards your required distributions before thinking the whole thing needs to be solved by Roth conversions. So a lot of times Roth conversions and qualified charitable distributions can go hand in hand, but so many people overlook this that if you simply do your giving directly from your IRA, it lessens the need for you to do Roth conversions along the way. So that's reason number three. And then reason number four, why maybe you shouldn't do Roth conversions is you don't have a long life expectancy. Now, you still want to consider your beneficiaries in estate planning. A lot of people, when they do Roth conversions, it's so that their beneficiaries inherit tax-free assets. But as you're looking at your planning, you also need to consider your life expectancy. The reason I say that is your required minimum distributions tend to go up over time the longer you live. So as of today, based on current IRS life expectancy tables, if you're 75 years old, your required distribution comes out to about 4.1% of your account balance at the end of the previous year. So if you have a million dollars, your required distribution is somewhere in the neighborhood of $41,000. Now assume that you still have a million dollars, but now you're 90 years old. Well, your required distribution at that point, based upon IRS life expectancy tables, is 8.2%, so around $82,000. So even if you have the same exact account balance, your required distribution goes up later on in life because the amount you're required to take from your portfolio goes up. Now, not just that, you're probably not going to have the same balance in your IRA at age 90 as you are at age 75. 
even if you're just getting a little bit of growth, when you compound that over 15 years or so in this example, that 1 million could very easily turn to say 1.5 million. So not only are you having to take twice the amount of your RMD as a percentage, but maybe the balance is 40, 50, 60, 70% higher. And because of this, the longer you're expected to live, the more burdensome those required distributions can become. So let's look at an extreme example. Let's assume that your required minimum distributions begin at age 75 based upon your year of birth. Let's also assume that you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt you were only going to live until age 75. Now, none of us know that exactly, but maybe there's family history, maybe there's health issues, maybe for a number of reasons, you know you're only going to live until age 75. Well, does it really make sense to do a whole lot of Roth conversions if required minimum distributions aren't going to start pushing you into a much higher tax bracket? Still could, potentially, depending on what your income will look like from whatever age you are today until 75, but it's less likely to be an issue if required distributions aren't even going to come into play. As I mentioned before, as kind of a side note, if that's your life expectancy and if you do have a substantial pre-tax IRA balance, you might be thinking of beneficiaries and how can you pass something to them that's tax-free, in which case you would still do Roth conversion analysis and kind of use their tax brackets as a point of comparison. But in general, the lower or the shorter your life expectancy, the less these required distributions will be an issue for you. The longer your life expectancy, the more these might become an issue for you. But make sure that's a variable you're taking into account because so often, and I see this from a lot of financial planners, it's just, oh, you're retired, do a Roth conversion. Oh, this is your tax bracket, fill it up via Roth conversion. And while sometimes that makes a lot of sense, there's all these other variables you have to consider. So in summary, what are those variables? Well, number one, it's understanding at least to a general extent, what will your tax bracket be in the future? Number two, do you expect for your RMDs to be an issue from the standpoint that they're pushing you into a tax bracket you don't want to be in? Number three, do you do a lot of charitable giving and can that lessen the impact of RMDs? And then number four, what's your life expectancy? Now, there's other variables above and beyond this, but those are four really important ones to consider so that as you're looking at your situation, yes, look at Roth conversions. Yes, consider Roth conversions but make sure that you're doing it in proper context. Make sure you understand all the things you should be looking at so you're not making that decision just because someone on the internet or a financial planner or a friend told you without doing all the proper investigation or analysis around all the variables that you should be considering. So that is it for today's episode. As always, I appreciate you spending part of your day with me tuning in this episode. If you have not done so already, please be sure to leave a review. And if you've not already checked us out on YouTube, make sure that you do it. This episode will be there along with other great content. You can find that on YouTube at Root Financial. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're looking to work with a financial advisor that cares deeply about helping you get the most out of life with your money, head over to our website at rootfinancialpartners.com and click start here. One of our advisors would love the opportunity to speak with you. You can also find the show notes for today's episode on our website, along with other great content that will help you to create a wonderful retirement. And finally, if you have a question that you'd like for me to answer in a future episode, then from our website, click on the learn tab. Scroll down just a bit on that page and then click submit a question to submit a question that I will answer in a future episode. Again, that can all be found at rootfinancialpartners.com. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner 
Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.